Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straup, stepping in for your normal Tuesday host, Pat Doherty. It is Tuesday, June 7th, and today we're going to be rounding up some recent fantasy-relevant news, and we're going to be taking a look at some notable, possibly even intriguing, late-round running backs. To do this, I'm joined by Kyle Dvorak, who I've actually seen many times recently, and Denny Carter, who I dare say I have not seen in a long time. Denny, I was thinking about this, it's been weeks if not months, so... How are things? And is it too soon to ask, how's your summer? Are we asking that yet? Is it summer? I, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, we're right there. We're almost there. We're on the cusp. The way I, I know it's summer is that I'm I'm legally allowed to play Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy. <laughs> and, nice. and, you know, and and so I guess, yes, it is past Memorial Day where we're calling it summer, but it, it's good. I, I by the, you know, you would be proud of me, Matt. I've, I've turned into a full NBA head over the past oh, couple man. months. I'm all I'm all I in. I, I I enjoy I enjoy the sport this this sport that you call basketball, and and you enjoy it so much you're just watching it purely for the joy. You have no stake <laughs> in any of the games, <laughs> right? Just like I watch football, just pure, purely for the love of the game. Really, the, yeah. the beauty, yeah. the the art of the game of football. No, I, I watch, of course, for entirely for DFS purposes. But it but it's it's a fun game. I know Kyle was tweeting about NBA DFS the other day, weren't you? Was I? You 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 said about the millionaire. The, the, oh, the, that, that's right. Yeah, I had a bunch of I, yeah. I nearly max entered the the big millionaire contest. I didn't win a million dollars. In fact, I didn't win a lot. Oh, but you but so, you had you had how many t- tickets? Two hundred or something? A hundred and nearly one hundred and fifty. You can. They were basically giving away the tickets for free if you were just like sitting around in like weird tennis contests waiting for them to not fill. And so you could gather a bunch of tickets up. You know, I got nearly 150 for the price of like 50. And then I blew them all and didn't make any money on the whole venture that took me months. So it was great. And I also love the sport just for the sport. And I'm fine. I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, one more thing on the on the ticket front. You're right about that. And during like the uh, silly season uh, in the final couple weeks of the NBA season, the regular season, you could get into those contests where there were like four people in there that were supposed it was supposed to be you know like a like a 30 person contest mm-hmm. and you could get in with like four people right with like a between the blazers and the rockets or something it was uh yeah. it was the only time i've really smelt felt actually smart in uh in dfs i have to say i gotta flag one phrase that kyle said and come back to it if you're sitting around in weird tennis contests waiting for them to yeah. fill, I, I i gotta ask about that are we talking french open here is that what's going on right now? I'm in the tennis contest that again was. today. I don't know who's playing. I'm just pulling the projections and throwing some lineups. But uh, is that what's going on right now? I know. I mean, it, that's what was going on most recently. I was just what, curious. Is there a tennis that. event? There, there is a tennis event going on right now. I was. I've been in every tennis contest for like a month or two. So yes, I was in the French Open. Amazing. There's something going on right now. They're definitely playing some tennis. Who's winning and how are they doing? Is it a tournament? Do they do that? I don't know. But you know, I'm gambling on it. I. Again, I'm doing well. I'm fine. Now that we're out of magazine season, I have a lot of free time. I've been putting it to good use. I just realized I, I just realized that Kyle is is clean shaven. I am. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be in the mountains for like a week and I figured start it off as just a humble boy and emerge from the mountains more of a man. I mean, look look at that. Look at that that fresh face, man. It's uh it, it's a it's a good look. I I the boomer energy in me enjoys a, a clean shaven face i'm sorry matt that's all right that's all right mine is pure apathy this situation here i cannot 
<laughs> I cannot do. I cannot shave more than once every eleven days or so. But uh, producer Adam would like us to know that it's the ATP Stuttgart event in Germany, Kyle. I think that's where you are heavily invested, though you may not know it. <laughs> I, I literally get it. I had no clue what he was talking about because I get the text too, and I'm like, why? Is there a setting called ATP Stuttgart that I need to know yeah. about in StreamYard? And no, he yeah. meant the thing I was gambling on that he knows more about than I do, which I know he does. Yeah, actually, me to ask you, Denny, is your ATP Stuttgart turned on? Because if it's not, we we need to fix that. <laughs> it's never not turned on. Okay. okay. Good. Well, as promised, we have some late round running back conversation coming up a little bit later, thanks to something that you wrote recently, Denny. But first, we're going to get into some recent fantasy relevant news or possibly non-news. And we'll start in San Francisco, where the word via Ian Rappaport on Tuesday is that Debo Samuel will attend the team's mandatory mini camp, Denny. With this news in mind, do you and do we feel less terrible about drafting Debo at ADP? Yeah, that's kind of the the way I I, th- I think about it is is just like you feel slightly less bad. I still don't feel great because you know the trade demand, the trade request is still hanging out there. <laughs> you know, it's it has yeah. not been as of this podcast recording. Debo Samuel's request for a trade has not been rescinded and they finally get to sit down maybe face to face between, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel and his people. Shanahan has bemoaned for months now. He said, well, we, we, uh, we don't want to do this over screens. We don't want screens in the way we want to do this face to face, man to man. So we're hopefully going to have those high T conversations and, uh, and he's going to, he's going to start the season. But you know, I mean, the reason you don't feel great about it is because, you he's going as the wide receiver five or six, depending on on what site you're mm-hmm. you're drafting on, and and you know so you you have to really be bullish about Debo Samuel uh, committing and, and playing for the Niners, you know, starting week one. Obviously, it's interesting. I don't coaches should lie more. I've said this before, but coaches like you're allowed to lie. There's nothing against the rules in it. But Shanahan's right. been pretty open, and so is John Lynch with their you know strange sort of offseason dilemmas. Right with Jimmy Garoppolo, they keep saying like, yeah, we're, we're trying to work something out with Jimmy, trying to get in somewhere else. And with Debo, they say no, we're not trading him. They plan on him right. being part of the future. And then I I understood, or at least I interpreted the selection of Ty Davis Price as their sort of concession that no, we probably can't have Debo Samuel, even though he's he's built bigger than a receiver you probably don't want that guy really taking on more than two or three carries because he's so good as uh he's so good as a wide receiver you don't want him playing that ton of running back type of role and obviously it's what he talked about too so it seems like both on a personal level but on a team building level they're working to restore him to the first nine weeks Debo Samuel and we kind of forget because the second nine weeks was so weird and successful it was just so different from anything we had seen he was just like a straight up alpha number one wide receiver to the highest of levels in those first nine weeks. He had a 33% target share, 33% air yard share, dominating the red zone work. As usual, he led the league in yards after the catch, and he was fourth in PPR points through nine weeks. And he still maintained the great fantasy stuff just in like literally the opposite fashion over the second half. But he looked like a league winning wide receiver. And he, like I said, he finished out that way too. But he looked like a team's dominant alpha, which we hadn't seen from him before. And if we get back to that, like that's what I want. Because as much as I love Debo, the the crazy amounts of rushing touchdowns seems a little bit unsustainable for anyone, for him, for Jonathan Taylor, for Derek, Derek Henry, all these guys. They have ups and they have downs. And the downs come hard when it's only based on touchdowns. A 30% target share, that doesn't have downs, right? The downs are still like five, six catch games. So I want to, and I think we will see him return to that level. And I'm becoming, I really haven't until now, sort of grapple with the fact that like you might just be able to get the league's number one receiver for fantasy production as late as wide receiver five or six. So I'm going to start drafting him. And I really haven't up to this point. I feel a little more confident after after Kyle's take there. Speaking of confidence, I also feel like with Kyle Shanahan, I've, I've had the feeling that he's just kind of trying to speak it into existence. He's just, <laughs> he just keeps saying Debo's not going anywhere, then therefore it won't happen or something like that. Denny does I, this but, with his wife often, too. <laughs> she's not going anywhere. I know it's going. The relationship can be mended. We just need to get off it's our phones face to face. Yeah, it's called guys. It's called manifesting. Look it up. Speaking of Debo, and this is sort of a, a little leap here, but there have been some recent rumblings out of Jacksonville that Travis Etienne could take on a Debo Samuel-like role or the, a report that he would welcome that, I believe is what it was. And we're talking about kind of the opposite, right? The, the Debo receiver aspect yeah. of this as a running back. So, Kyle, w- what do you make of that? And I know Denny wanted to ask 
the, the field here, ask the room and weigh in on, are there any dead zone running backs that don't actually make you dry heave? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm the one who wrote that blurb. That was like last week, I think. And, you know, I wrote it not in jest because like he is a really talented pass catcher out of the backfield. But I think I probably included the Debo part in the headline, knowing that people would be like, no one plays a Debo role. And he didn't say he was playing a Debo role. They even the reporter as a CBS reporter. I apologize. It's been a week. I don't remember your name. Asked him like any talks of a position switch. And he said, no, no, we just like my versatility, my ability to catch passes. And he, he's smart about what he does and knows what he plays. He only got no more than like 20 snaps at slot or wide in any single collegiate season. He was still a great pass catcher but it was still the pass catcher stuff out of the backfield and that's perfectly fine like that i don't need you know no one's gonna like cordero patterson's kind of the one other player in like my lifetime that's played the Debo role at a high high level obviously has some like unique you know really fringe players they're not that i don't think travis Etienne will be the Debo level player but i think he can be one of the better pass catching backs in the league and i think that's probably what you want is for him to split the carries with james robinson when james robinson is back and healthy which looks like we're sort of gearing up to that happening pretty quickly and you just want him to dominate the uh the backfield receptions right and robinson is a fine pass catcher but i don't think he adds a ton by being a receiver out of the backfield where Etienne can really be that type of dynamic back so that's what you want to see that's what you want to hear in camp the report that he got almost all of his reps out wide or catching passes. I think he was just catching passes all day is what they said. So that's what you want, but you still kind of need, you know, I don't want to just say it's happening for sure, right? We see coaches make irrational decisions all the time. When you're drafting him, that's what you're betting on. Uh, two things that I, you know, make me find ETN irresistible at, at running back 23 right now. He's going around AJ Dillon, uh, James Connor in that area in the fifth round. So of 12 team leagues, is that the is that receptions for running backs are so valuable. So even if he splits the early down workload with James Robinson, that's fine. Like that's more than fine. We don't really need that too much. You know, could he emerge as a, a as a three down back if Robinson isn't right or gets stinged up or if the team just says, okay, like we're we're gonna ride ETN here through maybe the second half of the season, something like that then yeah i mean then he goes off and then he obliterates his adp so i see a lot of paths uh, you just going off what kyle said a lot of paths toward etn really outperforming where he's being drafted now i will say that this is not going to hold like uh, he's going his adp is going to rise in the in the next couple months as as normies get involved and uh you know nothing against normies look you're you're doing you're you're well adjusted people you're doing your thing when you start getting when they start coming back to fantasy football, they'll say, oh, man, why is this guy going so low? He was a first round pick. He was hyper productive in, in his last two seasons at, at Clemson. He's catching all the passes out of the backfield like the coaches are Doug Peterson's talking about. Oh, yeah, like we're experimenting with him and stuff like that. So I think we're going to see him get into the top 20 running backs coming off the board. But even there, I think it's palatable. I think it's fine. Quickly going back to what Kyle said, when I heard Cordero Patterson's name mentioned in conjunction with the Debo role, so basically the Debo role is just a wide receiver who gets way too many between the tackles carries and then is like, I want no part of this anymore. This is awful. Yeah. Is that kind of what is that kind of what the Debo role means at this point? I don't think you have to think it's awful. I think you can do the maybe some people like the Debo role. Some people like the Debo role. And you could come from it the other way too. I think we we could say that, you know, like you said, you know, ETN would be coming from a running back playing as a wide receiver. Javon Austin probably pioneered the, the Debo role and uh, is probably what most players who think about the Debo role actually would turn out to be. Like LaVisca Chenault should play a Debo role yeah. in that he gets three targets and two carries a game. Unfortunately. <laughs> For my dynasty teams, unfortunately, it's how it'll go. Going back to that aforementioned dead zone, Denny, what are your thoughts on, uh, are there any dead zone running backs that you can stomach drafting at this point? Sure. So uh, just for, you know, those who might not be super familiar with what we're talking about, the running back dead zone is typically like, what is it, Kyle, round, round three to six in 12-team leagues where, you know, it's it's tough to find a running back who will outperform their ADP or like turn into an every, an, an every week starter in fantasy. It is the point in the draft where if you don't take a running back in the first or second round, you start to get a little panicky. A lot of, a lot of fantasy managers start to get a little panicky and say, okay, well... I got to get one here. And it's often not, not optimal decision-making saying that uh, Travis ETN falls smack dab in the middle of the dead okay. zone. You know, my, my friend and, and living the stream colleague, uh, JJ Zacharyson re recently did a podcast where he talked about what creates or what makes a 
uh, a productive, good running back dead zone selection. One of them is pass catching uh, involvement. Mm -hmm. And so ETN has that going for him. James Conner going at the end of the fourth round per his uh, current ADP is another guy who could easily be involved in pass catch in the pass catching in that Arizona backfield. I know they got Darrell Williams, the mentor from the chiefs, but not too freaked out by that. So, you know, he Connor jumps out to me as well. And then you have cam Akers, sometimes going in the fourth, sometimes going in, in the fifth round, maybe, maybe doesn't fit that like a classic pass catching running back profile, but, but certainly coming off that Achilles injury last year, the t- the Rams, seemed dead set on getting him back into the offense as the, you know, as, as the bell cow in that backfield. And they, they tried their best, you know, he, he wasn't good. He wasn't productive in, in the postseason, but their commitment is there. So he jumps out too. So I'd say Connor uh, acres and uh, ETN for me. Yeah. I think acres makes a ton of sense. Like you said, like we saw, they want to use him as a bell cow. Is he able to do that anymore? I don't know. That's the reason we're getting the discount, right? But especially right. in these, in these like best ball type of tournaments, I think in your season long leagues, like he might not be a player you need to win at all. There probably aren't that many of those players. There probably will be those players to take down, you know, the million dollar, $2 million prize where like they were so egregiously mispriced. You needed to ride them the whole way and acres as the potential to be a complete bell cow back going as late as he is. Yeah. I think he makes a ton of sense to defy, you know, our notions of the dead zone. We saw last year, not particularly successful, but a very strong attempt to make these uh, LA backs, Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle, be these multifaceted players. They combined for 183 routes from slot or out wide. They weren't targeted a ton on those routes. I don't think they're probably not that good, especially Sony Michelle as a pass catcher. But <laughs> if that's something we think Akers can just be average to a little above average at and gets both, you know, a ton of carries and gets to play a little bit out wider in the slot just on unique formations, I think that's the perfect recipe for beating the, the stereotype of the dead zone, if you want to call it that. All right. Meanwhile, in Dallas, there are reports via Dallas Morning News that Dalton Schultz could skip the team's mandatory minicamp as he tries to land a new contract. He's coming off a year where he had 78 catches, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns. Denny, your thoughts on this whole contract situation, maybe more importantly, your thoughts on Schultz's outlook this year? Yeah, I mean, I guess from a fantasy aspect, we we want Dalton Schultz to uh, to be gung-ho ready to go for, for week one because he could quite easily be the number two target for Dak Prescott behind only CD lamb to start this mm-hmm. season with Michael Gallup, probably sidelined and, you know, with question marks surrounding, surrounding uh, CD lamb in the receivers room, you know, Schultz was very much involved in the red zone through parts of last year, through most of 2021. And uh, you know, we, we could expect and should expect more of the same, this year, I, I I like I like where he's going in drafts. I don't I'm I'm not obsessed, and maybe this uh, maybe you know the, the situation with his contract will uh, see his ADP drop a little bit, which I would I you know I would welcome that. But he's he's a I think he's a great stacking option. First of all, with with Dak Prescott, uh, and if you're going to go like full Cowboys, you get you get Lamb, Schultz, and Prescott. And hopefully they can they can come to some agreement. But you know he he did he he was franchise tagged. Like I I don't know it, it and July fifteenth is the deadline to July come up 15th, with like a long term yeah. deal. I don't know where this is where if there's any wiggle room here. So I uh, you know this is something you may recognize as a recurring theme every off season every every summer of some running backs who are good at pass catching. Uh, basically, they're all wide receivers at this time. But I do have one player who, as we were talking about the Travis Etienne, Debo Samuel stuff, I did think, like, I know it's dumb, right? But if there were ever a chance for Tony Pollard to not play wide receiver, but to get more two running back snaps, especially where they can maybe split out, uh, you know, move Tony Pollard out wide into the slot, something like that, it would be the summer after they trade Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. We don't know what speed he'll be at for week one, if he'll be even ready for week one. Even like James Washington showed up to practice in a walking boot, and he was uh, in contention to be their number three or two if Michael Gallup wasn't ready for week one. So, And now Dalton Schultz holding out. I, I don't think he doesn't play week one, to be clear. But 
you know, we've got a lot of factors going to where they could use another, especially really talented player on the field who can catch passes. And we know this is something he's good at. He actually led all running backs in target rate when playing in the slot or out wide last year. They just didn't use him in that role a lot. That's because he was literally a slot wide receiver in college. He played way, way, way more snaps as a slot wide receiver, like orders of magnitude more than he did at running back. And he moved positions coming into the NFL, essentially. I know I sound like every other dumb report we get during the summer, but I do think it's an interesting concept that if we could just raise the floor of receptions a tiny bit on Tony Pollard, giving him some mediocre RB three weekly type of PPR value. He has that. And then he gets the incredible contingent value of of probably being better than Ezekiel Elliott and then stepping into that role. I'm interested and I'll always be interested in Tony Pollard just for the contingent value but like there's an outside chance we get a little more PPR like weekly floor than we're used to seeing from him. If Schultz sits or I don't even think Schultz needs to sit because we just like, like you said, Schultz has a really good chance to be the team's number two target getter behind lamb. And the number three is like either a rookie Michael Gallup who might not be ready or James Washington. Who's like probably not that good. And is right now in a walking boot. Not to put you on the spot, Kyle, do you happen to know Pollard's ADP right now as of early June? I'm just curious because I'm curious what he's being drafted as right now. Is that kind of what you're talking about being baked in at all to his ADP as of Uh, He is going on underdog right around pick 90. That is after Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and just before Cordero Patterson, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, and Devin Singletary. So you're definitely paying a premium of probably his weekly production versus Mm -hmm. his upside. I still think you're probably paying the premium for that. It looks like people are pricing him in that way that you know he has – what, like what? What do you think his weekly value is if Ezekiel Elliott goes down for good? I think he's oh. probably a top three running back yes. if Ezekiel Elliott goes down. But that's about where he's priced every year, at least for the past like two years. It feels like uh, if you told me he had like some higher level of PPR value, even if it wasn't a lot, I would see him going much closer to like Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, Josh Jacobs tier, where those guys maybe don't have the same level of contingent value. They're much steadier, reliable starters. Mm-hmm. I think he would go a round or two ahead if there's no way to know this. But if for some reason we did have a strong reason to believe he would catch two or three balls a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, um, uh, yeah, one, go ahead, Danny. One thing, uh, Ezekiel Elliott never sits and is indestructible in that he will never just stay on the sideline. He's He plays injured every year. And the yeah. Cowboys, the Cowboys love him and they pay him handsomely. So I, you know, my, uh, my hopes of a Pollard breakout have been uh, thoroughly beaten out of me uh, over, over the years. So, over I'm the between years. one and three years away of having them beaten out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Kyle's fresh faced right now. He's clean shaven. He's feeling optimistic. Hopefully, yeah. It's understandable. It's like right. a remember um, Nile Davis, like some of these, like, yeah. uh, like truly like, yes, they're just, yes. you know, we have so much hope every year and they're always positioned to be one bad play for the starter away. And, you know, I fear that day may never come. <laughs> I too Davis. fear that. Wow. Some rookie receiver news, third rounder, David Bell reportedly got some reps with the first team offense at OTAs for the Browns. And in Indy coach Frank Reich said the team is quote, definitely pushing second rounder Alec Pierce to compete for a starting job. Kyle, what's your outlook on both of these guys? Are you finding yourself inclined to want to draft either or both of them? Does this news move the needle for you at all when it comes to Bell or Pierce? Yeah, probably doesn't move the needle other than confirming my priors on Bell. Like I I don't have a strong prior on on Pierce because he like, you know, I I really am just like gleaning this information from Karain's really awesome rookie rankings, pulling stats Mm -hmm. straight from there because when someone does it that good, I don't have to do it better. So mm-hmm. like Pierce, just, I didn't think in Korean kind of confirms it's not that impressive of a prospect. Never clipped 30% yardage or touchdown share, small school, late declare, not like massively productive. So I'm not awfully interested. Obviously there's a path for him to, like we said, be a starter. There's a path for him to be the primary deep threat for a good quarterback. Who I still think can probably throw a nice deep ball, but overall the profile was so meh coming out of school, not terrible, but just so meh coming out of school that, it's going to take more than one report to really up my prior. Whereas David Bell, who I have a strong prior on, you know, uh, 
I am more excited when I hear him looking like he could immediately be a starter because he was young, productive, played at least some games with reasonable competition around him and also played better defensive competition in the Big Ten. So he kind of checks all the boxes in terms of like breakout age, market share numbers. Really, it was just um, pretty incredibly unathletic when he went to the combine. And for that reason, I think he probably never establishes like a wide receiver one overall ceiling. But do I think he can fall in that mold of like Keenan Allen, Tyler Boyd, even maybe as a rookie? I think so. And I think he can achieve it pretty quickly, especially on a team. Both these teams really don't have a ton of competition for targets. But for me, I would take uh, his role into targets on the Browns more. I'm going to do that thing where I say, I like Alec Pearson best ball, you know, more than I like him in, in, in redraft because of the deep ball potential there. But really, I mean, when you're talking about anybody in the Colts offense outside of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, you're, you're talking about like uh, someone who will either rely on an injury to, mm-hmm. you know, to get a, a good chunk of the of the touches in that offense or someone who will make splash plays and have spiked weeks, but also have down weeks. You know whether it's you know Naheem Hines or 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 Pierce or the or Mo Ali Cox like the 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 touches are going to be so concentrated in this offense that I, I don't know if you can get like super excited about anybody else. So I, I am with Kyle there. the The thing with Bell is that the Browns' quarterback situation. I don't know if you guys have been following this. Is uh, it's a little a little bit up in the air, uh, yeah. and and yeah. It, and it really. Like the fantasy usefulness of every player in that offense hinges on whether Deshaun Watson is going to be under center in, uh, th- this year at all, really. And we're we're we're, we're awaiting, you know, a, a suspension and could be could be very lengthy. And so you're looking at Jacoby Brissett possibly right. under center instead of Deshaun Watson. That makes me kind of out on on Bell. Like I, like I know Kevin Stefanski is in his corner. He's he's pounded the table for for bell during the draft he said no matter what we're getting bell so that that's cool and and yes and his profile is is really solid as as a receiver but i just don't know if i can get excited about anybody mari cooper nick chubb Mm -hmm. bell and joku i don't can i get excited over anybody if if reset is under center i don't think so kyle anyone chubb anything anyone yeah the running backs that that'd be what you want if we don't have to lots of they're gonna play i be weird it'll be really interesting to see if we get a lengthy suspension and they haven't moved baker yet they're like because i mean that would make sense right baker's best shot at having a better future is to like get the browns to another 10 win season he doesn't have to do a lot just get them to another 10 win season and we'll be basically more confident in who he is as a player next offseason right takes a lot of swallowing your pride to come back to the browns if you're baker mayfield yeah i don't think i don't know if he's up for it but for his long-term outlook it would be a good look for him to come back to this team. Say it's like an eight game suspension, right? Which uh, I'm just throwing out a number there. What if he goes six and two in those games and looks decent? Like that will be good for his long-term outlook, which would mean the upside is that the team looks kind of like they did probably two years ago is really the upside. That's still just, you want the running backs. I'd be fine with Kareem Hunt. Mm -hmm. I would love Nick Chubb who were finally like getting the discount for him, not catching passes almost over discounting like i found myself in the past two years not taking a ton of nick chubb because i don't think he has that incredibly dominant profile that looks like it's priced in easily this year finally so i'm actually getting some nick chubb now and he's the one player i'd feel confident in mostly being unaffected by any sort of quarterback change that's a good point you now have me imagining a strange reality where it's like november the browns are six and two with baker mayfield and we're seeing headlines like should the browns stick with baker mayfield oh the content would be so good think about the content (laughs) it would be all i i would read nothing but that content for for a month (laughs) i I have to say that when i think about the browns trying to make amends with baker mayfield Mm -hmm. and like asking like hey buddy uh can you stick around maybe for this year I my, my my body tenses up like I can't like I it's, it's involuntary like the yeah. cringe level is so tremendous that that my whole body cringes it's 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 crazy. Didn't he write like a, a kind of a, an emphatic yeah. goodbye on social media? He'd have to mm-hmm. delete that. And, yeah, yeah right, right. But it was like a vague, weird, bitter goodbye yeah. to Cleveland fans. Like like he, you know, for a guy, first of all, for a guy who said that he's done with social media, he said this six months ago. 
I, that that was a weird thing to do. Look, like, we've all been there. All right, I'm done. I quit. I'm, I'm deleting the app. I'm deleting the app, but I do happen to have it still on my laptop, so I can just check it real quick. Right. And then right. your team says they're trading for a quarterback, and you just make a quick post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't check it as much. It's on my laptop. I, I'll check it a little less. <laughs> Quickly, some rookie running back news, guys. Uh, and it's really just a note from the Athletics, Michael Sean Dugar, an observation really that Kenneth Walker looks like a, quote, perfect fit for the Seahawks outside zone running scheme. Denny, this is coming your way first. I mean, in theory, it's a crowded backfield in Seattle with Rashad Penny back and Chris Carson there, but coming off that neck injury. Given their injury track records, Penny and Carson, it could get uncrowded very quickly in Seattle. So with that in mind, how high are you on Walker and his upside right now? Increasingly so. I I feel like the, the, the drum beat is in full force and we're not even through mandatory mini camps. I mean, just wait yeah. for training camp and the preseason. Can't wait. Like, do you want a, an early down running back on a team that's going to stink? Right. Uh, probably not. But you know, at 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 a, a certain at a certain ADP, yeah, you you kind of do. And Rashad Penny's injury history, I know that's not predictive, and the injury experts out there are going to be upset with me. But but you you have to factor that in, and also Chris Carson coming back from a, a, a possibly career threatening uh, neck issue. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, um, Michael Sean uh, Duger said that the 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 one cut and go system and style that Walker used at Michigan state fits the C- Seattle's running game perfectly. Uh, so I just, I, I think that there's a good chance that he starts the season as the starter, wh- whether he, I don't think he's dominating uh, uh, touches uh, unless and until he really wins over the coaching staff or Penny and or Carson are not able to play. But I, I do, I do like him uh, especially the way I draft my teams. I do like him as a, uh, a middle round pick. I'm not taking you said early down running back on teams can be terrible. I, I think the Seahawks are be like an all time bad team. And it doesn't even they're like it was super interesting. Their draft. I don't think they had like a, a bad draft, but the picks they made were like like Charles Cross. People said they would not take him because he doesn't have enough run blocking reps. And then again, they took, I believe, Abraham Lucas who played at Washington State, who also does the we pass all the time forever thing where he doesn't have a lot of run blocking reps. So it's going to be like a second year UDFA, uh, Jake or Jack Curran, Curran, I believe at right tackle maybe, or the rookie who doesn't have any run, not any, you know, uh, hyperbole, doesn't have a lot of run blocking reps. They have these like premier pass blocking tackles if they live up to the expectations. As the best parts of their line, they're both rookies. We're not sure we're going to get. And the interior of their line is just decrepit and old and not good. So they're going to have a run first approach with, at best, good tackles who are not experienced at run blocking, even at a college level, to the degree that we see them normally come in at, with a bad middle of the line, with a terrible quarterback, with a coach who's not creative in play calling. All of this, to me, just seems like the, a recipe for true disaster. And if you know, if we see Chris Carson even be cut, they can save, I think, like four point something million by cutting him. And, you know, if they haven't signed all of their rookies, use that money to sign the rookies, whatever. And it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to bring three non-special teams running backs to every single game. So I do kind of think he's a pretty large risk of getting cut. Even then, though, I don't know if I want to split a terrible team's terrible running backfield, assuming Rashad Penny is healthy, which is not something we've always been able to assume, but it looks like we should end the season that way, right? He even had, like, I think an ankle or a hamstring tweak almost immediately when we were yeah. talking about him, like, a few episodes ago. But there's nothing. It doesn't look serious, right? So we're planning as if Rashad Penny is there. I'm not splitting this backfield. If you told me they, you know, Penny went down today and that was it, I would consider taking a, a talented running back getting the entirety of this backfield. But I, I don't think we see that, and I don't think we see enough of a domination of the carries in the backfield for me to want to buy any part of the Seattle running game. Pete Carroll won the war, guys. He won the war against Russell Wilson. He he didn't win every battle, but he eventually he won the war and will establish the run to his heart's content. And so, yeah, they're going to stink, but th- imagine being down 17 in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. And you're running it on third and seven, like like that. Like I know, yeah, we we don't want that, and that stinks, and it's going to be bad for Seahawks fans who somehow think that they're not going to be bad. But but uh, that that's the sort of thing I think that can boost Walker's profile is just this unending commitment to establishing no matter what. 
so I, I do I do think Walker will have that going for him. Nice 26 carries for 72 yards. You can just see it now. Right. I, I mean, look, I know, look, I, I get, I get the mindset and I've, I've, I have that mindset. Usually I had that mindset on Najee Harris last year. Like who cares? Like a, a, a early down running back for a team that stinks with no quarterback. And they they, they said, okay, it doesn't matter. We're giving a million carries. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's good or bad or whatever. He's just going to get a million carries. And that's it. And he did, and he ended up as like the running back three or four or whatever it was. All right. Now we're going to Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins, according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, will be a, quote, full go for training camp as he recovers from his torn MCL. He does, of course, have to serve that six-game suspension to start the year. Kyle, all things considered, uh, where are you at on Hopkins, given that we know his max games played is 11 during the regular season? Yeah, I haven't found myself drafting much Hopkins. He's not like egregious but he's overpriced for me i'll pull up his adp Mm -hmm. in a minute but i mean we saw last year like there were obvious signs of something going wrong before the injury and now before suspension which at minimum will just literally cost him games but his target share was an all-time low dating back to his rookie season i believe and it was 15 percent off its highest mark which was like 2017 i think right so he didn't look like the Hopkins we were used to seeing, and his yards per route run was also at a five-year low by a pretty considerable margin. We don't remember how truly awful it was because he caught, I think, like eight touchdowns in right. like a dozen games or something like that. So he buoyed it with good mm-hmm. touchdown production, and he's a good player. He probably should be an above-average touchdown producer, but his numbers were so, at least his market share and even his yards per route run efficiency, were so staggeringly low compared to what we're used to that, like, I would imagine that, the uh, you know, that the... Uh, uh, the team knew that we were going to get a suspension. That was part of the Marquise Brown trade. But it also mm-hmm. doesn't feel good to see such a precipitous decline from your number one receiver. And I would imagine part of the trade for Marquise Brown was because they saw something had changed for DeAndre Hopkins last year. And maybe you preserve him into the next few years of his career by not making him go out and get 180 targets because he didn't look capable of doing that last year. So to me, I'd rather take Marquise Brown or Rondale Moore or even Zach Ertz at their specific prices, not straight up, but at their prices. Whereas I think they have room to grow. And I'm not sure I see DeAndre Hopkins bouncing back now, like around 30 years old, to the extent that he's not going to be like a 30% target share guy anymore. I think he's still a good player. Uh, He's going right now on underdog. He's going at wide receiver 38, which is just after Traylon Burks and Adam Thielen, just before Hunter Renfro and Brandon Ayuk. Now, just talking about these guys, I would rather have. Uh, I'd rather have all of those guys except for maybe Ayuk uh, over over Hopkins. I mean, it is it is good that he's going to be a full go in training camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, if the if the the chips fall right, maybe he in, inherits you know that that sort of target hog role that he's had in that Arizona offense before. But I think banking on it after what we saw last year, which, like Kyle said was it was more than a little concerning you know it it was mm-hmm. like i i had hopkins on a couple teams redraft teams that you know meant a lot to me and like like i i was like excited about getting him as my wide receiver too and i i'm looking at his peripheral numbers after a few weeks and i'm like oh no oh god i drafted him on on the the year where he falls off the cliff this is yeah. it uh, and the cliff not be, you know, I'm not, I wasn't trying to make a joke there, but you know, uh, but he, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, I think that there, there should be real concern. He would really, for me to be mm, uh, somewhat excited about taking Hopkins, he would need to fall to like, I don't know, wide receiver 40, I don't know, maybe even 50, somewhere around like yeah. uh, 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 Kadarius Tony, Alan Lazar, that area, maybe, but, but I, I'd want Tony over him. So I don't know. Man, the, this this happened fast. And Kyle, you beat me to it. I was going to play a little round of how old is DeAndre Hopkins, but you beat me to it. He turned 30 yesterday. Oh, so nice. We're talking about a cliff, and he's 30. This is a scary situation. <laughs> yeah. uh, we went from, yeah, we got here fast, it feels like. Um, mm-hmm. A quick note on the Ravens offense. Last news item here before we move on to some late-round running backs, and that's from the Athletics' Jeff Zrebeck, who believes that the Ravens are, quote, banking on their 2019 offensive recipe this upcoming season, also known as extremely run-heavy. Denny, how are you adjusting? Are you adjusting? And who are you adjusting in the wake of this news? Yeah, you know, they're not going to be able to repeat the 
extraordinary efficiency that the Baltimore offense had in 2019. That's just not something that that you can probably do again. And but saying that it does it would mean like a a marked shift in how players are used. And I'll I'll touch on Mark Andrews here. I I wrote that blurb and I was looking at Andrews usage and numbers over the past three years. So 2019, 2020, and then last year. And uh, I think it would be a a potentially major problem for, for Mark Andrews if they actually committed to this sort of approach. So in uh, 2019, Andrews ran around on 94% of his snaps. That was ni- it was 95% route rate in 2020 and then 93% in 2021. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he was like barely being used as a route runner uh, uh, for, you know, until 2021. Now saying that in 2019, he was 26th in pass routes among tight ends. Uh, that was a far cry from his 2020 I'm sorry, from his 2021 route numbers, uh, he led all tight ends in pass routes last year. That's the formula we were waiting for. When we when we mm-hmm. excitedly drafted Mark Andrews in 2019 and 2020, we were saying, this is the year. This is the year they're going to pass more, and, and it's going to lead to a, a spike in routes and targets, and then eventually production for Andrews. It finally happened in 2021, but if they go back in time, to a time when when it didn't matter that he was still still in there a lot and still running a, a lot of routes, then we're we're going to see his production dip no matter what. Yeah, I am. I think I might. I've been thinking, been considering thinking about rethinking my uh, <laughs> not generally drafting J.K. Dobbins because it does like the way we saw him in his rookie year was a committee back who didn't catch a ton of passes. But if we see them, if we see them play more into the run style at his price, it's it's pretty reasonable. And it's almost impossible that they don't move back towards that style in that in this would be 2018, 1920. In 2018, they ranked fifth in passing yards allowed. They were then sixth and sixth in the next two seasons. And then they were 32nd last year and allowed the second most passing yards of any team ever in the history of the NFL. And although, you know, I think maybe being a top five or top six technically team in three consecutive years would be hard to repeat, that precipitous fall off. I think it's very reasonable to blame as losing five different corners to injuries, two of whom were previously all pro players, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Peters was the whole season. Humphrey was five games, I think. They also lost a safety to Sean Elliott and other players along the defense. So they're going to give up a ton of yards. Well, you can still, I mean, they're an efficient running game. You can still run the ball a lot, right? Well, they lost their first, second, and third running backs before the season even started. If there was ever a very odd set of circumstances Mm -hmm. specifically designed to turn the most run heavy team into a more pass heavy team. Mm -hmm. It could not have come together any more perfectly than it did for Baltimore last year in that engineered towards passing, not perfectly good for them. Right. So things will regress injury wise. And then thus they will regress defense wise to them being able to play that style more. But that style also uh, wasn't being countered by Lamar Jackson being blitzed all the time. They weren't just, you know, uh, they were getting more of these free, awesome play action looks where Lamar Jackson could just bomb it deep. We saw like the Dolphins just almost blitz every single play they ran against Baltimore last year. I think even if you want to say they have a higher run rate than usual, I don't know if it necessarily means the passing efficiency comes back. So I think that is like the ultimate grave concern is they just run more without getting to pass more efficiently for a player like Mark Andrews. And for me, I I love Rashad Bateman, but that would certainly be bad for him too. So I'm trying to push myself to want their running back, specifically Dobbins, but like even Gus Edwards, Mm -hmm. maybe more. And this is having me question a little bit, my love for Bateman and taking Andrews at ADP. I think is a perfectly fine pick there. I I thought so, but I'm a little more nervous now. I I will, I will make an unnecessarily a concrete statement and say that please, uh, if these reports continue, if the coaching staff for the Ravens talks more and more about like, we want to get back to our roots and we want to play defense and run the ball. I am completely out on Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman at ADP, just not even looking at them on the board. I like it. Very concrete. And by the way, you don't have to, I, I didn't need any more fuel on the draft JK Dobbins thing. I was already there. So I'm, I'm this is all music to my ears. I'm very happy to hear it. Yeah, I wasn't there, but um, I think I'll, I'm there now. I think I have talked myself into it, and it's good to know that you're on it as well. 
because uh, he's a really talented player. Like, no, no doubt. You look at his Ohio State numbers, and he was just incredible. And he can catch passes. It's just not generally something the Ravens have done. We saw, like, the funniest, like, didn't uh, Mark Ingram catch, like, five touchdowns on something like 20-some balls? <laughs> and, but that's, you know, part of the benefit of playing with these uh, unique passing attacks is, like, you can just run hot on efficiency. So... All right, we're going to hit some late-round best ball running backs in just a second, but first we're going to take a very quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. All right, we're back. And before we get to late round, best ball running backs, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday, Danny, and I want to continue to kind of catch up on how your summer's going. I was wondering, do you have any plans in August? And do they in any way have anything to do with an expo of fantasy football? They do. And I'm glad I'm glad you you mentioned it. And it's a good guess on, on your just, part. Just just honestly, yeah, just a hunch. I don't know. I just threw it out there. Yeah. Yes. I will I I will be at the fantasy football expo which will be sponsored by nbc sports edge and we had a we had a really great time there last year a meeting people that you've known online that i've known online for many years and also getting to do the uh getting to do the talk the 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 talking in front of the people that was that was a good time and kyle i know you're looking forward to uh driving pat doherty around at least one time dropping him off at the front, front entrance <laughs> i don't know you missed it last week and probably at the expo uh i was just like uh pat's assistant i like he was like running super late one morning and i literally was there and he was like all right you gotta drop the car off can you grab me a bagel i gotta go i'm super late i like wake up bleary-eyed from the night before uh you know we had some fun and if you come there you'll probably see us out having fun and you can come up and join uh but i wake up bleary-eyed i'm like i don't really want to and he's like please i have a have a one of these talks, right? I have the morning opening talk. Yeah. I'm the big, I'm the headliner. I'm the big name. I'm on stage. I was like, fine. So I drove, I was just his secretary for like four hours in the morning. We, uh, it, it, you, I honestly, uh, me and, uh, uh, Chris Allen and, and Kyle, oh, I'm not forgetting anybody. We're able to, you know, deliver zero RB propaganda to the masses via the expo last <laughs> yeah. year. And we'll, we'll do it again this year. <laughs> I told that story last week on the show. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> It's coming up August 12th through the 14th in Canton, Ohio. For more info, you can go to thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Okay, Danny, you recently wrote a column on NBC Sports Edge breaking down three late-round best ball running back options. So let's go through these names and your thoughts on them. Option number one is a player for my very own beloved Atlanta Falcons, a team that you said is going to stink out loud this year. Those were your words. Uh, (laughs) It's the rookie fifth-rounder, Tyler Algier. Tell us about the appeal here. Yeah, I mean, he's going so late. Pick 152 on underdog. Uh, sometimes you can get him later than that. But, you know, he he profiles as like the obvious early down back who might might get some pass catching sprinkled in. Who knows? We're, we're mm-hmm. waiting to see. We're, we're waiting for the, that blurb, which I'm sure will come in July or August. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, he has a, a long and storied history of wanting to run the ball and running to operate a, a tough-nosed offense. 
They couldn't mm-hmm. do that. They didn't do that in 2021. Cordero Patterson is probably not going to be, I, I would I would venture to say, definitely not going to be used the way we saw him uh, last year where they're running him up the gut and he's taking a, a, a beating like a 250-pound running back. So I don't think that's happening. That, that leaves Algier to absorb what could be a pretty decent workload for his ADP. Now, I, I think there, there is some sense in the fantasy community uh, that we got tricked last year with, with Mike Davis. We got tricked with Quadri Allison. This is not the same. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. This is, not, this is not the same. First of all, you had to take Mike Davis with a fourth-round pick last year, which was yeah. probably the most egregious ADP in the history of our game. Right. I mean, it, I can't think of a, a worse one. It was hilarious that a whole summer, all summer, people like we finally wise up to the dead zone. Right. Like we're like, oh, these running backs who they have ambiguous roles and we're pricing them as if they're clear guys. You know, they just uh, they make no sense to take there. So let me go draft Mike Davis. I'll be right back. I'm just going to draft Mike Davis real quick. And then we can talk about the dead zone more. And so like, well, hey, look at Falcon, a Falcons running back disappointed us last year. Yet you're ready to draft another Falcons running back. It's curious. No, I mean, it, you you can get, get Algier in like the 11th round, 12th round. It's a huge yeah. monster difference. And he has a pretty good profile. I wrote I wrote it up. Check it out on the on the site. Like very productive, very efficient as a rusher in college. So I, you know, don't just because you got fooled on Mike Davis in 2021. I don't think you. I don't think you should cross off Tyler Algier in uh, 2022. Yeah, I do think the one of the things. Not only was the price on someone like Mike Davis so much different than what you have to pay now, but like probably the talent. At minimum, it is possible the talent is so much different that like. Yeah. We thought Mike Davis was probably pretty good because he had like an eight game stretch where he caught a lot of passes. He wasn't even his dominant runner. He caught a lot of passes. And that that was enough for us to be like, he's elite, even though he was like backup in Seattle. I think he was a backup in Chicago. I don't remember. And started off as a backup in Carolina. He gets like eight games as a starter. Where he catches a bunch of passes and we're like. This guy's uh pretty much one of the league's better running backs. Right. And like like you said, Quadre Olison and maybe like Ito Smith or something, right? These guys who are <laughs> just on. backups. That is all they are in the NFL yeah. in not a bad way. You it is make a great living being a backup running back in the NFL. <laughs> they just aren't meant to handle all of the carries on a team that doesn't, you know, have a great line, isn't going to support them perfectly. And now we have a running back who just ran for 1,600 yards in his final collegiate season efficiently, as you pointed out. And I'm not saying he was for sure a supreme upgrade over Mike Davis, but we should have known what Mike Davis was based on Mike Davis's career. And there's a, a strong chance that Algier is better than that, which is a big difference on top of the pricing difference. And Mike Davis is a classic case of something that happens a lot in fantasy. It's, you know, people seeing what they want to see. And I was, I was certainly guilty of it. Like I, I could foresee it working for Mike Davis. But I mean, when you look back at it now, I mean, the guy was 20, he's 29 now. He was 28 years old. Like you said, Kyle, he had that, it was like a perfect storm where he was like, oh, he was so good filling in for McCaffrey. Like, but, but such a small sample. And so, yeah, I guess ultimately not shocking, but devastating for some what happened to Mike Davis last year. <laughs> Next up, it's Niners third rounder, Tyrion Davis Price. And as you wrote, Danny, we cannot look past it when a Shanahan coach team drafts a running back. So hit us with your thoughts on TDP. Yeah, you know, he's a guy who I was aware of definitely as of two weeks ago. <laughs> no, I mean I, I I knew I knew his name, but but his his profile's not bad, you know, and, and this is another thing. You know, I was talking about the, the Seahawks with Kenneth Walker and everybody. The Niners, they 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 want desperately, and Kyle Shanahan wants desperately to run no matter what. The Niners in 2021 had a negative 31% pass rate over expected on third and short. Okay. This is a team that refused to pass the ball on third and short. They were frustrated by their inability to convert those running plays on third and short. So they drafted Price Davis. Uh, and and Davis, uh, Davis Price, Price. Well. saying you know we we'll go with Davis Price here. We, they they draft Davis Price for 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 that reason. So uh, ESPN's Nick Wagner, who's a good uh, Niners beat writer, said the team quote envisions Davis Price emerging as a bigger, more powerful complement to Elijah Mitchell as the season progresses. You know, again, we're not predicting injury. 
We are saying that Elijah Mitchell struggled with about four different kinds of injuries and during his rookie season. I believe that Davis Price would be in line, wouldn't be next in line to get that early down roll uh, if if Mitchell were to miss time. Yeah, it's it's not even like I don't even think you necessarily need the the Mitchell injury. I think the team sees uh, sees Mitchell getting injured and thinks, how can we prevent that? And for him, the best way to prevent it, he's like, I think he's like 5'10 and 200 on the dot, not tiny, but not a particularly big back, is to balance out his role to prevent those injuries with someone who is 20 pounds and two inches heavier, I think, and, and Ty Davis Price. So you add, uh, like, you are not predicting injuries, you're preventing injuries by giving, at least that's what I understood this to be, is right. by giving Ty Davis Price some of that physical big work, like you said, that like third and short type of stuff, that goal line work, you give him that to allow Eli Mitchell to do what he does well, and he breaks long runs and breaks tackles, and that could mean you get 8 to 10 very efficient carries, potentially touchdown-bearing carries from Ty Davis Price each week. And then obviously if Eli Mitchell goes down, you're really looking at a high upside scenario for so little price, ironically, so little price. <laughs> the, the ultimate Shanahan move you guys realize would be for Trey Sermon to become the guy out of nowhere. This I, of course we've all had this thought. If you're not, okay, uh, you know, okay. you, you have to be sick enough to have this kind of thought. It's, it's uh, as, as they say, it's wandering eye season for Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> so, Tyrion Davis Price's underdog ADP. I'm not sure if we said it is around 166. Uh, the third name on your list, Danny. It's it's good old Naheem Hines. Tell yeah. us why we are. I don't want to say falling into this trap, but tell us why we're going down this road. <laughs> why are we going down this road once again? Tell us why we're doing this dumb thing you're suggesting. It's probably no. I listen. I'm I'm sheepish about this one. Uh, the first two, I'm I'm a lot less sheepish. I'm wolfish on those. This is this is a, a, a little bit. Almost, almost borderline embarrassing because I do this every year with Naheem Hines. I, you know, the 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 coaches and beat writers talk up Hines like Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. doesn't even exist. It's a, it's amazing, <laughs> uh, you know. And then you're, oh wait, he he plays behind the best running back in the in the NFL. So where is his opportunity going to come from? You know, the the I guess the the one caveat for this season would be that Matt Ryan has a, a pretty decent history of targeting running backs in the uh, in the passing game, and Hines has shown an ability to command targets when he's out there running routes. So you combine those two things, I think, could be good for Hines. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, had targeted running backs on like something like 8 or 9% of his pass attempts before he became the starter in Indianapolis. So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a good setup for, for Hines. And Hines it was such a disappointment last year. I, I I wrote up, you know, just how disappointing he was. That I don't I don't see a- any form of hype getting him into a range where you have to really like you know bite your tongue and and draft him. Like his ADP should stay pretty reasonable throughout the summer. Yeah, for me, uh, with Hines, like just take JD McKissick on underdog. 40 picks later, <laughs> am I reading this right? Literally yeah. 40 picks <laughs> later. It, just because I think they play such similar roles. And uh, even though one is getting Carson Wentz and one is vacating their Carson Wentz from the team, it wasn't like Wentz refuses to throw to running backs. We saw them, I think, right about league average in uh, running back targets last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see that split between Jonathan Taylor and uh, Hines close in the sense of if you can have one of these backs on the field for all downs, you would want to do that because it is uh, strategically gives you the advantage of never showing what you're, you know, showing your hand. And uh, that would just mean playing Jonathan Taylor every snap. And we saw from his rookie year to his second year, that gap closed a little bit in terms of their target share. So I like Jaden McKissick to play that, uh, fulfill that role on your fantasy team at a discount, just like trying to pay the least premium I can for the no upside pass catchers. <laughs> love i love a no upside pass catcher myself look i love him too i just like to take uh take the cheap ones the cheapest ones check out denny's full column with a lot more info in it on nbc sports edge guys before we go anything else you'd like to promote on the old website that i have a, another one on teams that uh established run with 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 the lead and so i kind of broke down those teams that's also somewhere on the site although it's a couple weeks old but for now Check out the late round running back one. 
I got USFL content coming up, and I'll probably try and drop. We talked about last week that uh, best ball uh, week seventeen stacking article. I'll try and drop that this week before I head to the mountains. All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We'll be back here on Thursday. In the meantime, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. Denny, Kyle, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.